Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. Good evening and a warm welcome to Joy 99.7 FM and to another matriculation of Springboard, your virtual university. We are glad to be back serving you as always on a beautiful Sunday evening. What a joy it is to be with you tonight on Joy 99.7 FM. My name is Albert Okran and from now till you graduate at 8 p.m., I promise that your personal value will shoot right through the roof. Helping me serve you tonight are Matthew and Amos under the directorship of Comfort, the registrar. Springboard is a thematic radio seminar that provides a virtual meeting ground for the top CEOs, corporate executives, and the most influential leaders every Sunday evening right here on Joy 99.7 FM. It has for the past six years consistently operated with a simple mission of equipping a new generation of African leaders and executives using the avenue of human capital development. The broadcast is brought to you by Legacy and Legacy, your number one choice for world-class corporate training and your superstition joy 99.7 FM. It is sponsored by the kind courtesy of Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. We also enjoy media support from the Business and Financial Times and the Graphic Business, as well as technology backing from Dream Overall. Let's start with our Springboard Weekly Poll, and this week has been very interesting. Our question is simply this. What's luck got to do with it? What has luck got to do with career success? And I'm going to ask my guest very shortly her opinion about luck and career success. I mean, when a group of children start school together in class one, why do some go all the way to the very top of their fields while others seem to struggle throughout their lives? Is it a result of choices and hard work? Or could it be that some people are simply lucky or favored? There are two schools of thoughts, as always, on this very thorny issue. The anti-luck group argues that there are universal laws and choices that consistently propel people to career success and prominence. Their favorite scriptures include Proverbs 29 verse Proverbs 22 verse 29 which states, do you see a man diligent and skillful in his business? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. They therefore conclude that success is predictable. And so they are anti-luck. The pro-luck group suggests that there are several people who do everything in the book but still don't make it. They recount several success stories in which the person admits to being at the right place at the right time and conclude that hard work and principles without luck are in vain. In fact, their favorite scripture, scriptures include Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, which says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not for the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill, but time and chance happen to them all. So their argument is this. You can be strong, you can be skillful, but you need chance. And that they call luck. So what's luck got to do with it? And that is the addition that we have here on Springboard of Virtual University. What is your opinion? Are you pro-luck or anti-luck? Just send us your thoughts on Facebook and we'll announce it to the whole world. Already there are several opinions that have been shared on my Facebook page. I'm going to be reading some of them to you very shortly. But today we are on day number nine of our 30-day journey on the SMS Academy. And this time we are exploring the 30 laws of personal growth. 
Our lesson for today is simply this, the law of environment. And it says that create the, a conducive environment or atmosphere for your growth. Permit only the right music, the right books, the right media, the right films, the right friends, and the right conversations around you. That's one more law for your personal growth and keep it and work with it. And that brings me to my main subject for today. This is day number 10 or the 10th floor of a series called Leaders Digest. We've had since the 7th of September nine distinguished business leaders sharing their core principles and the values that undergird their lives with us. And we wanted to stay with this journey because when the, the series runs through, runs out by the end of the year, we'll collate all the values and try and suggest certain universal principles that one can work with. And so tonight we take a giant step by crossing over from Ghana or Accra, Ghana to Johannesburg, South Africa to bring you one more distinguished business leader, a woman who eats, sleeps and drinks strategy and branding. We'll be talking tonight to the founder and CEO of the Kumo Group, which specializes in foreign market entry strategies especially in Africa and emerging markets. This is a woman with a wide scope of experience, having held executive positions in strategy in telecommunications, banking, FMCG, media, pharmaceuticals, automobiles, construction, nation branding, and that's an area of interest I'll be asking about very shortly, IT and consulting. She was involved in South Africa's national rebranding strategy, and she has also been involved in developing brand strategy for France Telecom Telecom, Telecom Kenya Limited and the South African Maritime Authority. Her projects span or straddle different African countries, South Africa, Kenya, Mozambique, Tanzania, Uganda, Ghana, Rwanda, Nigeria, UK, and Angola. Her current passion is in African ports and maritime development. I wonder what our ships have done to her. She's very passionate about them. In terms of education, she holds, she holds a, master's, a Master of Science in International Marketing Strategy from the University of London. And she's also had a course in Oxford University in African Leadership Executive, an African Leadership Executive course in Oxford University, and then also a strategy execution course in INSEAD in France. My guest for tonight, Ipeleng Selele, welcome to Springboard. It must be your first time on radio in Ghana. Indeed. Thank you, Albert, for having me. It's quite exciting and quite overwhelming because, uh, as I said, in my entire career, I've never really accepted a radio interview, and this one is my very first after so many years, and it's quite exciting. Well, we count ourselves very privileged to have, have compelled you, for lack of a better word, to accept <laughs> to be on radio, but it's just a joy to have you here. On behalf of Comfort and I, welcome to Ghana. I hope it's, it's going well so far. Thank you. Thank you. Right. So before we settle down to our main discussion about the core values that undergird your life as a business leader, let me just throw this question at you, the question we've been debating about all day. And it's about luck versus hard work. I mean, we've, we've interviewed nine CEOs already, and one school of thought says, well, when people start class one together or, or grade school, they start from the beginning of their educational journey, some people make choices and they get to the top. And so the choices are universal. I mean, where, whichever country you go to is the same principles. And so they argue that there's no place for luck. Another school of thought says that no matter how much you learn, no matter how prepared you are, there seems to be some element of favor or luck that helps people. Which school do you belong to? The 
the pro-luck or the anti-luck and why? <laughs> well, I'm going to try and tackle it very differently because I believe that it's a combination of both. Really? So I'm going to sit in the middle, indeed. And I think I'd like to add one more element, which is opportunity. Because you can be lucky, you can work hard, but if you're not granted an opportunity, I'm not sure what is it that you're going to be striving towards. So for me, uh, based on my experience, really, it's about opportunity, luck, as well as hard work. And, opportunity, uh, luck, and hard work. That's it. Give me a minute, a minute breakdown of these three. You know, if you have read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's book, Outliers, and you read about your Bill Gates, you read about your uh, Warren Buffett, you do realize that there is uh, some element of going the extra mile, which is hard work. And you also do realize that it really it does boil down to being at the right place at the right time. And you happen to be the person that actually gets to grab the opportunity. And sometimes it's a, it's a matter of uh, first mover advantage. Because someone else was not there, you just happened to be there, and you happened to be the right person with the right attributes and probably some little bit of understanding. And um, you get then the opportunity to, the privilege to be given the opportunity to execute whatever the opportunity you're tackling. Right. Yes. So, listeners, this is the evening for branding, strategy, and execution. When you hear the words execution and so on, you know you have a strategist in the house. I'm going to take a brief commercial break, and when I come back, let's begin to open up these subjects and see whether we can glean some lessons for our individual lives. Just just maybe some of the things she says will be applicable to yourself as an individual, your company, and who knows, maybe even the nation. But this program is brought to you by EcoBank, the Pan-African Bank. And have you heard about rapid transfer from EcoBank? Rapid transfer from EcoBank lets you send and receive money within minutes across Ghana and throughout Africa. Rapid transfer is fast, convenient, and reliable. You can transfer as much as 30,000 Ghana CDs and funds arrive in the local currency and there are no charges for the person you are sending money to. You don't need an EcoBank account to use rapid transfer. From now to the 30th of November 2014, there are instant gifts on offer for every transfer you make. So if you want a fast and convenient way to send and receive money, choose EcoBank Rapid Transfer as your preferred money transfer partner. Just visit any of EcoBank's 79 branches across Ghana or go to ecobank.com. Terms and conditions apply. EcoBank is the Pan-African Bank. Let's take this brief commercial break. When we come back, let's find out what does it take to rise all the way to the top. What are the core principles and the foundational values that undergird the life of our guests? Please don't go away. Ah, there's an EcoBank ATM. Now, check this out. I'm going to get money out without a card. Gosh, how did you do that? Don't you know that now you can withdraw cash from either MTN Mobile Money or Echo Money at any EcoBank ATM and you don't even need an ATM card? Wow, that's great. And EcoBank has over 200 ATMs across Ghana. It's so convenient. Plus, it's super easy and totally secure. Withdraw cash at any EcoBank ATM from your MTN Mobile Money and Echo Money wallets. For more information, just call free on short code 3225 from Airtel, MTN, and Vodafone lines or 0302-213-999. That's normal charges. Terms and conditions apply. Echo Bank, the Pan-African Bank. It is 19 minutes past the hour of 7, and this is Springboard, your virtual university. And as you know, our opinion poll or our weekly poll question today is about hard work or luck. 
what are the drivers for success and if you have an experience you can post your your thoughts on my facebook page or you can post them on springboard the virtual university my guest for tonight ipeleng selele from south africa she's the ceo and founder of the kumo group she's graciously consented to be with us for the evening as we walk through the pages of her life and distill the principles that have brought her to where she is in your, in, your, in your profile that I read, I mentioned quite a number of industries. I mean, give us a brief idea about your transition through the various industries. I can see here you've done something in telecommunications, you've done something in FMCG, you've done something in IT, you've, done, you've worked in different industries, construction, of course, nation branding we mentioned earlier on, and consulting, and even banking. How did you do it? Did you keep moving from one job to another, or it was it was a blend? No, it was a blend. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah. In fact, it was a very smooth transition of probably at the end of the day having your vision, wanting to be what is it that you wanting to to do. Um, I've always wanted to do strategies because I I, I regard myself as someone who connects the dots, and in strategy you've got to be able to be prudent. And diligent in connecting the dots. You've got to be able to think on your feet. And I then gathered that look, looking at where I was then, because when you think of marketing, is really uh, the promise that you make is a promise that you keep. Mm. And um, from then onwards, um, one of the key things that um, I probably worked on, which was enhancement, it was having insight. Because you cannot do strategy, no marketing, no any other project that you're working on without having insight and context. And uh, that's where my passion really started of uh, developing strategies. Um, so when I look at it, I'm going to really give you an overarching answer uh, to say it is about the principles of business. Because whether you are in infrastructure, whether you are in telecoms, whether you're in FMCG, the business principles remain the same. Except there will be obviously a few nuances and dynamics that you have to attend to. Um, and you'll have to make some adjustments to, add, to, to adapt to the situation. But it's about the basic principles, which is insight, um, developing strategy where you must have objectives and then be able to execute whatever it is that you are hoping to achieve. Let's find out how the interest developed. Because one of the things that we've been trying to find out for, for the benefit of our listeners is how does a person develop an interest or a passion for one field or another? We've had people in telecoms, in banking, in media. Your interest in strategy, where did it come from? Was it was it was it occasioned by an experience? Was it somebody who inspired you? Where did you find it? I think because when you look at my track record, I've always been a leader. I, I at a primary level, primary school level, high school level, I was always a prefect, always a head girl, always a hostel leader, and it, it had to do with leadership. And I understood that to develop a strategy, you've got to be able to drive a vision. And to drive, a, it's very it's very rare where you find technocrats actually driving a vision. Technocrats are there to actually execute your vision. And I understood that as much as I was trying to build my foundation of becoming a technocrat, I was probably more on the leadership uh, uh, side. So um, what I really um, was passionate about, it was to purely uh, have a clear goal or a clear vision to set the path and to set the direction and be able to come up with building block, building blocks and be able to be diligent in identifying talent that will enable me to execute the vision. There must have been something that was seen in you that enabled you to be invited to be part of the national branding effort. So let me take two steps back and find out which of the industries gave you the most exciting experience. I'm, I'm just curious about 
the various FMCG telecommunications banking? Which one was the most exciting? I have to say it's, it's maritime and port services because I am all about, I'm a, I'm a true Pan-Africanist and I'm all about intra-Africa trade. And I, I clearly understood and did my homework um, about what is it that I think is at the very core of increasing or contributing towards intra-Africa trade. And when you go to our ports, you realize how much our economics actually lie. That's where it lies. And you look at most um, industries that are um, probably more commodities-driven, it is all about logistics. It is all about, because you can have the best product ever, but how do you move it from A to Z? And when you look at the role that ports, as well as rail and road, play, in our, in, in our continent, it is crucial And that's where I decided to end up And I think that's probably way, that's it If I may put it that way Let's talk about national branding How was the experience like? National branding did was you, Did you get a phone call? That's, were you part of an organization that was selected Or you were called in as an individual And how was the experience like? You are going to be very surprised Because most of the projects that I actually work on Are proactive proposals that are actually conceptualized from scratch Right. And the reason why, again, I'll go back to uh, uh, me deciding to be a strategist It was because I, I, I somehow learned That I am very good at conceptualizing something from scratch Where I observe where the gaps are And where I'll contact with key stakeholders And uh, be able to come up with something that can enable or that can help organizations to come up with a great solution that is compelling and relevant. So on nation branding, I actually uh, decided to work on a, a pro- proactive proposal and I approached Brand South Africa and they decided to go on tender and I literally competed on merit and I got it. And I think probably what set me apart was that it's something that I proactively conceptualized from scratch because I picked up every time I went to different sessions was that some of our civil servants did not clearly understand what does Brand South Africa stand for. And they did not also understand the equity that Brand South Africa uh, uh, probably is worth. And I think when you're a stakeholder, regardless as to whether you're a civil servant or, or any other stakeholder for that matter, or other you're in business, you do not realize the impact of your actions I mean, everything that you do, how that impacts on the equity of our brand, of the brand of our nation. So for me, it was really about how do we align all these key stakeholders to look after our brand, to nurture, and most importantly, to behave accordingly and act accordingly. I can see the passion in your eyes whenever you talk about this issue, but let, let, let's go for the benefit of those who may not understand the fundamentals of nation branding. For many people, branding is a logo, a nice slogan out there. And of course, we saw the slogans on DSTV, I mean, Truly South African. I mean, what, what, what was the slogan that drove the a different alive with possibility? Alive with possibility and, and and beautiful commercials. But those are probably the the downstream end of the whole strategy. Um, downwards of activities, but for somebody who does not understand what strategy um, is about, dealing with the civil servants that you mentioned, what was your core message? What what, what, what did you try to get across to get people to buy in into the strategy? I think the core message, it really, it, it was about formulating a blueprint, which was the guiding principle of what South Africa is all about. And what we have had to do is was to come up with the one thing, the essence or rather the DNA, which was the one thing that we could say that's what South Africa stands for. And um, how we, we, we actually looked at different examples because we did benchmarking studies. And for instance, when you look at India and they say truly... Uh, incredible India, for instance. Right. Uh, that's the essence. That's that's the DNA of what India is about. And we also looked at Malaysia, where they say they talk about truly Malaysian. So I think every country there's got to be something that 
um, that is fully encompassing that you stand for. And around that, you obviously would look at uh, competitive advantages and you'll come up with a personality. And you'll come up with benefits as to why should people really engage with Brand South Africa, whether on a business level and whether as a, whether as a tourist. So we had to come up with a, blend, a brand blueprint that actually gave us the, the essence or rather the DNA of what South Africa stood for. At the end of the day, would you call that a successful experiment or project? It was very successful because at the end of the day when we looked at, or rather when we worked on the execution and we had different workshops, it was enlightening or rather satisfying to see key stakeholders coming out of each workshop and saying, Ipiling, for the very first time I know what exactly I am supposed to do. Because what uh, uh, nation branding and alignment, in fact the focus was purely to align key stakeholders' roles uh, to what South Africa stood for. They understood how they should align their activities with what South Africa stood for. Because you could be great at what you're doing as a department, but you'll find that you're actually off-brand. You are not delivering towards our brand promise. And as I've said, the promise it's about making the promise and keeping that promise. It's as simple as that. There's one aspect I'm very curious about, and, and, and I'm asking these questions because we, as, as, we, we've had some efforts at trying to brand Ghana, and I'm very curious about your, your experience. And so just, just one more angle I'm interested in. After you sat down, having done all your analysis, having researched into Malaysia, India, several countries, benchmarking, when you got the blueprint, in terms of the rollout, how was the communication like? particularly the part that relates to engaging with stakeholders. Who did you work with? Who did you speak to? Did you speak to the ministers? Did you speak to how far did you go in communicating that brand to key stakeholders? In fact, we worked with uh, what I'd like to, to, to probably mention up front with regards to nation branding. It's an exercise that each country, you cannot attempt to do it if your technical competencies, competencies are not in place. You've got to be able to have your hygiene factors in place. So you cannot go and make a promise if, for instance, your constitution does not stand for you. You cannot go and make a promise if some, some of the key technical competencies um, are not in place. So um, I think uh, when it comes to South Africa, what probably managed to what help what helped our program to to be in good state it was because we had a lot of great benefits that we could talk about so you cannot really lie to the citizens you cannot really say we've got great uh, systems if you don't so as south africa we couldn't say uh, we've got great financial infrastructure if we don't because we do we actually um, um if you actually refer to the competitiveness report that World Economic Forum produces, it will give you a ranking in Africa and also globally as to what uh, the key areas that you're actually good at. And you have to take those and be able to articulate them as some of your benefits. So I think um, just to, to go back to, to Ghana, I think what's key is you've got to be able to make sure that some of the technical competitors, because they will obviously they will uh, uh, come back to bite you if you don't fix those first. So my advice would be you've got to be able to look at those first and make sure that they're in place and then you'll be able to to to, to attempt to come up with a nation branding exercise. Yeah, exactly at the midway point of the program, 30 minutes past the hour of seven and the, the, the message from Ipeleng Selele, our guest for tonight, is that if you want to brand a nation and by extension an organization, just make sure your technical competencies are in place and the promise you make is the promise you must keep. And so you can't make a promise that is not backed by the systems on the ground. And so fix the systems before you even go out there and say you are branded. Let me ask you about resistance. Obviously, in, in, in making 
in rebranding or creating a new identity for an existing product, there will be a need to make serious changes. Was there resistance and how did you deal with it? It, it all starts with how you engage with your key stakeholders. So I think in our case, it was really a matter of the approach of how we engage them because we, we consulted them as individuals before we put them in a group to at least try and demonstrate that we understand and we hear what their perspective is and what are their opi- what are the opinions out there because i think sometimes we attempt to to run before we crawl so in this case we just make sure that we go and talk to and engage and spend time in understanding what their perspectives and what their opinions and expectations for that matter so that they understand where they fit in so engagement is very key and you know, must never underestimate the, the importance of engagement right this is Springboard of Virtual University, and my guest for tonight, Ipe Lengsi, she's walking us through her own experiences in the course of her work. She's mentioned that her passion remains maritime work, and our seaports are really, really a trigger point that can drive a lot of the changes that we want to make. She's also said that in the course of branding South Africa, her involvement was about concepts that she created from scratch, that were able to get buy-in and which were incorporated into the national branding strategy. She says she's always wanted to be in strategy because she sees herself as somebody who connects the dots. But the, the slogan or the, or, or the phrase that she's made that I think tonight connects to me very beautifully. She says, the promise you make is the promise you keep. What are you promising wherever you find yourself? Please make sure that you are keeping your promise because if you don't have what it takes to deliver and you go out there and make that promise, you will find out it will come back to bite you, like she said. So that brings me to the key question that drives this whole Leaders Digest. For every business leader, we want to find out uh, if there were three pillars that hold your life, what would they be? And So what would you call the three non-negotiable pillars that drive your life and, and, and why? I'd say excellence, right? daring to be different, and being true to myself. I simply do not conform. I stick to what I am passionate about, and I stick to what is it that I would like to achieve, and it ends there. So I think, um, really, if you talk about daring to be different, is I am one of those people who like to choose the road that is less traveled, and that's not an easy task. And in fact, the difficult it gets, the more exciting it is for me. And uh, some of the people the actually call me, excite you. I'm saying that I like to actually uh, choose the road that is less traveled. You read a poem by by Robert Frost? No, no, no. Oh, you should read it on the road less traveled. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll Google it for you right now. Very interesting. So you love the road less traveled. That's it. And and when it gets bumpy and it gets difficult, you rather get excited. That's exact. That's when I actually get very, more excited. Because clearly it tests my determination, it tests my enthusiasm, it tests the passion that I always talk about, and most importantly, consistency. It, it tests as to whether I can remain consistent in those uh, difficult times. And in fact, some of the people call me dynamite, and they always say, you're so tiny, but you, you, you really are determined. And I think when you, when you decide to dare to be different, you've got to have courage, and I probably would fall under that category of really having courage. Because to look at the continent and say, I am going to be one of the people that will make an impact on the continent is not an easy journey. And to be able to get onto the plane and go to the AU and spend time with Nkosazana Zuma to try and understand exactly how may I assist. It, it's not easy. You've got to be able to have courage. I'm going to put you on the spot because I've been tracking your movements in the past eight days. 
And how many countries have you been in this week? Oh my the gosh, past week? I'm actually embarrassed to say it's four. <laughs> <laughs> no, just give me an idea. <laughs> four. Four countries? Well, in fact, yes. Uh, my, my worst record was nine countries in six weeks. Wow. Yes. So this week you've been to, I know you were in, you were at a point, because I spoke to you in South Africa, the next time, the, the next day you were in, um, was Switzerland, it? Dubai, Switzerland, Namibia. That evening you said you were in Namibia. I, I was like, yes. hey, how do you do this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a global citizen at heart. So you did South Africa, Switzerland, Namibia, Dubai, Namibia, and, yes. then, and then South Africa, and then back to Ghana. Indeed. What drives you? Wow. Um, I am very passionate about changing. I like to be a game changer. Probably that's my second name. I do not like to get involved in things that have been laid out for me. I don't like to follow a manual. And probably that's why I decided not to stay in corporate. Because I figured that for me to be able to change certain things, I've got to have to be, to conceptualize. I like to conceptualize. And um, I do love traveling because it's an eye-opener. And it, it does give one um, a high level of exposure. Do you find yourself fighting battles in the course of your work? On the continent, always. What are some of the things that lead to the fights? I, I'm just curious, because you, you mentioned that you, you you dare to be different. Do you find that people sometimes insist that you must do things the way they want them to be done? And, no, and when do. that happens, what do you do? I think I naturally I challenge authority. And that's why I gave you my background of being a prefect and a head girl, because I've, I was always used to dealing with leaders. So whether you're a shareholder, whether you're a board member, whether you work in the company, I challenge authority. If something does not make sense, I am, as I said, again, you've, you've got to be courageous as long as you've got your facts in order. And as I, I've, I've mentioned earlier on, I'm a person of insight. So when I argue my point or I raise my point, I'm, a, I'm really about facts and figures. So I always try to seek understanding. And I spend a lot of time with uh, very successful business people who are very principled. And therefore, I somehow man- matured way before my time, in fact. So, um, yeah. I'm going, to, I'm going to take a brief musical break And when I come back I'm going to find out from you In a cultural setting Where a person is expected to conform How do you deal with being a person Who challenges authority And whether you are called a deviant Very interesting <laughs> <laughs> It is 23 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock And I'm going to play the song By Benjamin Dube of South Africa It's called Uyahalala I hope I got it right If I didn't get it right, don't tell anyone <laughs> I think it's a Zulu song I, must, I suspect it is But I'm going to play the song for Cicelo Cicelo Ntuli, a good friend of mine And a good friend of yours And somebody very special And I'm going to play this song for Cicelo And when I come back I'm going to ask you also about how you manage to Weave your life around The busy corporate schedule And family And all other responsibilities This is Springboard of Virtual University 22 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock Let me salute all my friends at MOBA 84 And all MOBA sponsoring groups For this year's speech day Fantastic job done at Cape Coast this weekend Great show, great speech By Kweku Beduado yesterday Very, very great time at Mfanspim And well done to all of you for the great work Building a new infirmary Three story with 18 isolation wards That is a standard Uncomparable, great job guys Enjoy this song by Benjamin Dube don't go away. Keep the frequency clear. 99.7.
There's an Ecobank ATM. Now, check this out. I'm going to get money out without a card. Gosh, how did you do that? Don't you know that now you can withdraw cash from either MTN Mobile Money or enter money at any Ecobank ATM and you don't even need an ATM card? Wow. That's great. And Ecobank has over 200 ATMs across Ghana. It's so convenient. Plus, it's super easy and totally secure. Withdraw cash at any Ecobank ATM from your MTN mobile money and Airtel money wallets. For more information, just call free on short code 3225 from Airtel, MTN, and Vodafone lines or 0302-213-999. That's normal charges. Terms and conditions apply. Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. It is 19 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock. This is Spring Body of Virtual University. If you just joined us, you've missed quite a bit. But I guess I can borrow the rest of the plan. You says I joined you last two weeks, and at the end of the program, you gave me a summary. So I got everything that the, the, the guest said. So maybe that's another, another angle to the virtual university. But earlier in the show, I put out a thought, and I asked you, what's, love, what's luck got to do with it? What has luck got to do with career success? The anti-luck school says that, hey... You can do everything, but if you don't get favor, if you don't get, if you are not, if you, if you are not at the right place at the right time, you can hold a master's and a doctorate degree and still be unemployed. But the pro luck school says that the, the, sorry, the, the anti luck school says that there are universal principles. You got to follow them. If you miss them out, hey, you will suffer because the principles are the same all across the world. But the pro luck school says, listen, you can do everything without some favor and being at the right place at the right time, you will struggle. So, Epileng sat comfortably in the middle and said she believes in both the the luck factor and also the hard work factor and she added opportunity. But let me read some of the thoughts that came through when we posted this on Friday and it's a, it's, there are vast loads of them. Petra Abba Samoa says, it's a tough one. I believe in hard work and diligence but I also believe in the serendipitous favor of God. That is her version of luck. Um, Ajiman Gullit says, preparation, hard work, the right people you meet and favor or luck leads to success. So he combines both theories. Israel Atiyabot says, in the same Ecclesiastes 9 verse 11, Bible says, chance happens to them all. But if the chance comes or the luck comes and you are unprepared, then what happens? Right, so Israel votes for hard work. Um, let's read Frederick Duke Amos says, hard work in a good environment. Agnes Christodia also says, hard work. Rachel Mauta says, hard work. Judith Zomelokorti says, luck, favor, serendipity gets you there. But hard work coupled with extra faith, luck, and serendipity keeps you there. Onyamiba Kujobidi Akon writing on Facebook says, favor is simple. God is simply God adding his flavor to your labor. Terry Mantis says, I believe in luck or what I call favor or opportunity, but without diligent preparation, one cannot optimize luck. Betty Akumati says, I have often landed some great jobs out of sheer divine favor, primarily because God drew attention to me among several equally, if not more um, competent competitors for a particular project or assignment. Asha Obiyan Samuel says, I prefer to call it grace. 
is an important part of growth and success. Let me read three more for you. Jacob Kwame Asiru says, success is chalked when opportunity meets preparation. William Addison says, God's favor will take you where your strength cannot take you, but hard work will keep you at the place and reward you more. Jifa Anyaso says, hard work is key, but the God factor opens the door and hard work sustains it. So this is a debate that will keep going on and on and on. Is it hard work or is it luck? So those who don't make it, are you saying that they don't, they don't work hard or what? Let's keep the discussion going. But my guest for tonight, all the way from Johannesburg, South Africa, Ipileng Selele, her interest is particularly in branding and strategy and she also has passion for the African maritime environment or industry. She's given us a, a, a sense of her life um, particularly her interest in strategy, where it emanated from, and then her work done with branding of South Africa, something that I'm very interested in. But I'm going to try and find out from you, Ipilin, what happens when you have a strong mind of your own in corporate circles? Do you find that sometimes people are unable to deal with the fact that you are a woman and you have strong opinions? Indeed. Um, it is. You do face those challenges probably almost on a daily basis. How have you dealt with them for the benefit of our listeners? It is, you know, it's your, it's character. Character is, is quite critical in how you deal with stakeholders. And because you can differ on so many things, but what I find is the approach, the manner in which you try to, to, to tackle a problem, it does uh, uh, put you in a good state. And if you have invested in good relationships, those somehow um, underwrite everything that you do. Because as you can imagine, that on most projects that we work on, you are working with people that you've worked with previously. So your track record as well as um, a good relationship does help you. And emotional intelligence, in fact. EQ, you know they talk about uh, IP, EQ, as well as CQ, which is obviously your intellectual capacity, your intellectual uh, intelligence. Bring them down, bring them down for us. So in, uh, intellectual intelligence as well as your emotional intelligence as, and, and most importantly cultural intelligence because cultural intelligence does contribute immensely and I think sometimes we do um, overlook that because right. if you're working with uh, someone like myself, I work with Singaporeans, I work with Americans, I work with the French, I work with uh, Africans, you've got to be able to try and put yourself in someone else's shoes and try and understand what is it that they hold dear to to try and align yourself with um, what they are all about. I would like you to, 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 to give some details on that point because in researching for one of our books, we found out that even when it comes to gifts and greeting, the response varies from different cultures. And if you don't understand that, you can have a very embarrassing situation where somebody means very well, but you reject an offer, and that literally can kill a business meeting. Give us an, a, a peek into the issue of cultural intelligence and how critical it is. Uh, cultural intelligence, I think what's key is for uh, any business person to be able to try and seek understanding by doing a little bit of research or homework just before you travel to that country or you welcome um, those uh, different stakeholders into your country. So I think, yeah, once if you if you do your homework and you try and ask around, you know, you you try and associate yourself with people with experience and exposure, you will try your best to be able to align your your approach and everything that you do to make sure that it does deliver on what they're about without insulting them. Let me rewind to your childhood. What kind of childhood did you have? Childhood. Yes. Brilliant. Brilliant. In fact, probably if you were to ask me what is the most, uh, what is my treasure um, in my life, it's actually the way I was brought up. My upbringing has been 
absolutely brilliant. I was raised by an amazing, 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 amazing loving dad. And, you know, I've always said mothers are always there for some reason. We were created to be nurturers. But once you've had a tough father, a father that always told you how beautiful and how brilliant you are, and a father that always protected you, and a father that always was there for you, and you knew you're untouchable. Um, it's, it's for me, for instance, for a girl, um, it's the most important thing that I would give to any father. I hear girls like their fathers and boys oh, like I'm their mothers. Oh, I'm a daddy's girl. I am <laughs> such a daddy's girl. I really am a daddy's girl. And I was raised by a tough love. You know, you understood that when he's mean, when he says something is not right or do not do or attempt to do anything, he wouldn't do it. So I always say it goes back to, um, again, looking at myself in business, working with different men. My relationship with men actually does reflect my father. My respect towards men in general. It's purely because of being raised by an amazing, dignified and um, a man of integrity. If I understand what you're saying, right, you're saying that the relationship with your father influenced to a large extent how you relate to men throughout your working life. Immensely. If you had a father listening out there tonight who's raising a young, a young daughter, what would you tell fathers listening out there just so they can help, their, they can influence their daughters in a way that would help them grow up to optimize their potential? What did your father do right that you would like men to do right? I'd say to them, love. Love your daughters. You call it tough love. Explain. Love your daughters. Um, you know, you know, paying attention, being home, and assuring them that the, they are actually the best girls on earth. And I think uh, what's really important is affirmation, so that they do not go out there to seek for affirmation or validation in what they do, purely because your daddy at home raised you with lots of love and. Um, you go out there actually being objective and I've always said most of the women that I've come across, strong women for that matter and successful women one way or the other they've been raised by very good dads It is 10 minutes to the hour of 8 o'clock and this is Springboard your virtual university. Tonight I get the privilege of hanging out with Ipileng Silili from South Africa. She's the CEO and founder of the Kumo Group. She has a wide range of interests. I think we've not captured even half of what she does, but her passion is for the maritime industry of Africa and she believes that if we get that right, Africa's economy will change significantly. Her life has been spent working in branding and in strategy. And earlier in the in the show, I I I I managed to pin you down to confirm that you've been in four countries in the past one week. Mm-hmm. So let me find out how do you combine that kind of pace, that kind of schedule with family? You know, um, again, it's, I'm gonna go back to my upbringing because I come from a family where uh, family it was it was non-negotiable. You it becomes a way of life. Um, you know, paying attention and spending time with my beautiful children is one of those things that I do not even look at it as a task or a job to do. It, it's a way of life. I cannot, my typical day um, boils down to prayer, exercise, and spending some time with my kids and making sure that I commit to certain tasks. I'll give you an example. Very few things like taking my kids to a vaccination. I, there are certain things I do not outsource. Right. To any other individual but myself. By choice. Ex- by choice, exactly. Because th- those things are so important to me. So taking my kids to the doctor, parents' meetings. I do not miss a single parents' meeting um, for my children's uh, parents' meeting. I drop them off. I pick them up sometimes. So in a week, I'll say I must be able to, t- to drop off and pick up my kids at least three times. I must be able to cook for them at least three or four times. So there are certain things which are non-negotiables. And I've always said to people, if you let your business life 
run your personal life, you are in trouble. You have the benefit of working for yourself. For somebody working in a bank who comes home at 8 p.m., are there other ways in which they can express the same affection for the children without missing out on, on, on their corporate goals? I think they can. Um, I think what's key, um, which I have found, is that uh, normally workers, employees, you've got to be able to negotiate your terms and conditions from a position of strength. And one of my mentors actually taught me that when you join an organization, you are there to add value. They are not adding value. As much as they add, they are adding value towards your career. You've got to be. You must make it clear that you're also there to add value. And if you, they understand and respect the value addition that you're actually contributing towards the organization, you've got to be able to set your priorities right and communicate them up front. Um, and you know, again, when you go. I've always said when you read uh, the auto, uh, autobiographies of successful people, they are all balanced fathers and mothers. You cannot do one without the other. Balance is the key word. And Pastor Ransford, I hope you are listening out there. Balance is key. You can pray all the prayers in the world, but when you come home... And, and I was in a discussion this morning with some... All, 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 some sometime in midday with some very key leaders and we are discussing the world in which our children are being raised and sometimes the fact that parents can be there and living in denial often unaware of the particular challenges that their children are facing and it was quite scary to hear some of the issues that were being discussed that relates to um, children and some of the the, the the battles that they are fighting that their parents are absolutely unaware of and, and it was quite challenging I'm going to be sharing with, with, with our listeners the top 10 things I've learned from you tonight but let me just ask you back on the same point you just made um, a few a couple of minutes ago and so in my as I do with almost all my guests, following you through the past one week. How do you juxtapose a, a day before you are in a hot business meeting in Dubai, then the next day you are doing um, school work with the children, you've gone to the children's school and you are there with them, playing with them in the school, doing something about their speech, something interesting that we are doing in school and you are literally there in the pictures. Do you have to switch off one to, to switch on to the other or it's a natural flow for you? I'm very curious about that, that bit. I think it's a master of planning because in most cases with kids' activities, you get the calendar up front and you've got to be able to be organized. So if you are organized, you pay attention to detail. And as I've said, you do not compromise one of your key things because I've always said in your deathbed, one thing that we, people actually regret is spending a lot of time and quality time with their families. No one, I've never come across someone who's about to die and saying, oh, I should have actually spent more time in my office. Most of the people regret spending time with their family. So for me, spending time with family, it is key. Have you failed That's before? That's what defines me. Have you failed before? Have I? Failed before. Yes. You look like somebody who had a perfect life. Great upbringing. You're pursuing your dreams, traveling around the world. Have you failed before? Yes, I have. Tell me about failure. You know... Um, you work on some projects where you put, I spoke about proactive proposals, conceptualizing something. Then before you know it, someone took it and ran away with it. You actually read about it on the papers. That, that's what has happened to me. And you, in business, you learn to deal with rejection. And in fact, that very same rejection uh, motivates you to get up, dust yourself, and do better. Looking forward, 10 years from now, what should the world expect from Ipilengselili? A game changer. A Pan-Africanist of note. A young African woman who has changed things. 
and a young African woman who has also taught the young and up-and-coming girls that anything is possible. Do not look at yourself and um, you know pity yourself because of your background or pity yourself because your parents maybe didn't have enough money. You can be what you want to be anytime. It's all in you. That will be a message to the young ladies. Indeed. I'm going to come back to you to give your thank yous to the people who have have touched your life or the people who matter to you in your life. But let me share with you my notes. I, I'm a student, even though people see me as a chancellor in this university. I'm actually a student because I learned from different leaders over the past six years, probably times times 52. That's quite a lot of interviews I've had. So your Ten Commandments, if I had the chance of writing a book as your writer... Ten Commandments of Ipileng Selele. The one will be about strategy that you always wanted to be in strategy because you see yourself as connecting the dots. The second is about integrity. You see, the promise you make is the promise you keep. The third one is about leadership. You said you've seen yourself as a leader right from your childhood. And there was a natural fit between your seeing yourself as a leader and strategy because leaders craft and drive strategy and technocrats are supposed to execute right the fourth point you made is that branding south africa was a, an exciting journey that studied the dna of the country as a person and that, i found that to be very 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 interesting the country as a person its character and its identity and therefore engaging with stakeholders to share that identity was was relatively easier because you had discovered what the country was. The fifth point I learned from you is that branding would fail if the key technical competencies are not in place. You can't make a promise that is not actually supported by the fundamentals on the ground or as you said, it will come back to bite you. The sixth point you made is that your three core values in your life are excellence, daring to be different or pursuing the road less traveled and then being true to yourself. The seventh point you made is that in dealing with stakeholders, hard work, good relations, and emotional intelligence are key. The eighth lesson I learned from you, or the eighth chapter of your book, will be that cultural intelligence is important. And so in dealing with people who either fly into your country to do business with you, or you fly out there to do business with them, take time to research into who they are, what they believe in, and you will be able to interact with them. The ninth point is about failure and rejection, that if you handle it well, it can become a stepping stone to success. And the final point was to the young ladies out there, dare to dream and be all that you can be. I have one minute to go. Ipiling, tell me about the people who have invested in your life and the people who are special to you. My father. My my mother is great. My mother is gracious. My mother is an amazing woman, but my daddy. Papa is just the most beautiful human being I can ever ask for. I hope my daughter will say the same thing. In fact, I'll play back this interview to her about ten times. And if she doesn't hear it, I'll rewind and play that last bit. Because that's what she must hear it <laughs> and see it. <laughs> so my dad, of course my mom, um, um, you know, a few business associates. Um, this is Stephanie Mashile Ngosi, who's an industrialist in South Africa who started a mine from scratch and it was the first time you actually see a black woman owning a mine um, and who's not qualified in any of the mining fields that you can think of. Uh, Dr. Ngosazana Zuma definitely, I have a very special relationship with her. Uh, Hillary Clinton, I've had uh, the opportunity to meet uh, uh, Hillary Clinton. Do you think she'll win the election? That's going to be an interesting one. 
I think it's let's just wait and watch. <laughs> After last week, <laughs> <laughs> let's wait and watch. Um, so yeah, and um, the person who actually introduced me into maritime is uh, Commander Tietze Mukhele, who taught me so much about what maritime entails and why it's so important. Game changer. Epilang Selele has been my guest tonight on the Virtual University. And if you enjoy the show, you can listen to it again tomorrow by just going to our website, legacyandlegacy.com.gh and listening over and over and over again. I'm going to post the Ten Commandments on our Facebook page as well and look out for the full article of this also in the graphic business. But this has been Reverend Albert Okran bringing you Springboard in the 10th edition of our series on Leaders Digest. Until we come your way again next week, God bless you. God bless you. And God bless you. Good night. Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert and E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember you are blessed indeed. No more